0: Today we're going to be talking about the interdisciplinary between science, business, and art. I'm Anna Geiger, head of fundraising, and I'm a business and psychology major concentrating in healthcare management.
1: Hi everyone. My name is Jessica Wilson. I am the web developer at Spark, and my major is graphic design and communications, and I'm minoring in marketing analytics.
2: Hi, my name is Sofia Kolobayev. Um, I'm just a member of finance team, Nothing Special, and I'm majoring in electrical engineering and physics.
0: So as you guys can tell we cover a wide range of fields here so I guess the question is which one do we get started on first?
1: Um, do you want to start with science? Do
2: we want to start with science? Why don't okay. we start with Why science? Don't we? Why don't we? <laughs> okay where do we want to go from here because there's kind of a lot to cover. I think the main Thing we could start with potentially would be sort of how technology and as it relates to. Yeah,
0: like, I agree, and this is actually a topic that I'm really interested in, especially related to the advancement of AI and technology, and especially how that relates to um, psychology, specifically psychological essentialism. And I'll just explain for our listeners here what psychological essentialism is. It's basically a uh, kind of a, a not a theory of theory of thought, but it's basically how humans perceive different things and how they categorize it. So, for example, when you look at something that is a real piece of artwork versus a fake piece of artwork and you know the difference, you tend to place them in different value categories. And that's just how a lot of different things are, how we view the world, how we view different groups of things. So, in this case, um, one of the big debates that we see in art is how AI is making art. So, you see with the Google bots and you know everything on the website, uh, you know... Hmm. Uh, an artwork that looks like somebody or an artwork that might look like you. Um, so, you know, you see this advancement of technology, and this has, has a lot of artists that I know very concerned about. Oh, our robot's going to take over our jobs.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a conversation.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and let's think about it here, because, I mean, do you guys, have you guys ever seen a fake of a painting?
1: Yes, so many. And
0: what do you think of that? Do you think, wow, what a stunning, beautiful, original piece of artwork?
2: You know, no, not necessarily. I wouldn't. I, part of me is impressed that they were able to create the fake in the first place. But again, fakes themselves aren't necessarily that hard to create, considering the art itself might not be that hard to create. It's more oh so God. like the yeah. context behind the art that makes it valuable. But I think knowing that, obviously, if you know something's a fake, you're not going to like it very much.
0: Right. And a lot of that has to do with this theory of essentialism, where because it's not created a certain way or it is a certain way, it's not perceived that way. And therefore, it automatically goes into a different group. But kind of going back to the the idea of AI, do you guys know how people think? Could you tell me how (laughs) people think?
1: so sorry i could not tell you how people think
2: unfortunately no
0: good because neither can scientists
1: wow crazy.
0: i mean there you go right there people are worried about ai when in reality you know a lot of our art's created just by human thought by things we don't even understand so Mm -hmm. how can we expect an ai to create something that the human mind can't even comprehend yet that's my argument to uh to that but what do you guys think
1: Bro, that's a lot. That's a lot to uh, unpack. <laughs> I I mean, I don't know. I think AI is like an AI is kind of unknown to me. I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't I don't really ponder um, the AI aspect of art. But I think it's interesting what you're talking about, like where people like value, I suppose, pieces of work differently on like, I guess, how how it's created. I don't know. Um, I don't really have much else to add, to be honest.
2: <laughs> I mean, the thing with AI, like AI and art is that it's already been done and it's happening more and more frequently. You, yeah. I mean, you can even go as far as like basic think like Arduino drawing machines. Like it's it art is being automated faster and faster, right? Okay. But a lot of artists have been also using AI as sort of like a medium to, I guess, communicate certain That's things. Okay. One of the things I'd look in, looked into prior to this um, was, it's from Annie Lu, who I had mentioned. But um, essentially, she is an artist that works with technology to sort of create art pieces. One of the ones she has made is called AI Toys, mm-hmm. where she essentially right. had an AI um, create different toys Uh, like she imported essentially real toy data marketed as different boys and girls toys and had an AI generate these like random boys toys and girls toys and it kind of shows oh this is um, sort of the differences present and they kind of are these very abstract general shapes with certain colors Mm. but you see them um, obviously this is a podcast so it's kind of hard to convey that across but they are very obviously ai is not perfect so you have titles like beyond anything in the world princess castle tent but <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I love but, the randomly
2: generated
0: name for right that. but and i still would have liked that at the age of 5 so i mean right, right. It, it works so or like
2: yeah. the i can i can, no no i can change anything kitchen <laughs> yes, so true. So true. Right. Um our generation single-pack emoji bracelets. Oh. These are all girls' toys, and then boys would be more like um Nerf and Strike Elite Series 30 Dart Refill. <laughs>
1: That's like what you see on Amazon. Like those the titles that you see on Amazon.
2: Exactly. <laughs> So, oh gosh. again, this is kind of AI as sort of a means to communicate gendered biases and marketing and sort of oh toys. My gosh. I'm taking a common gender class right
1: now. We're talking about this all the time. And, like, I feel like, I mean, toys, like, this isn't really, like, relate to design, but, like, for toys, I think that's really destructive. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. because, like, the human, like, us as humans, I mean, we're, we're, like, programming the computers that are generating these things. So we're putting mm-hmm. in the terms. Or they're, they're basically taking what we've given them that are, like, gendered terms, and they're like, okay, like, pink is girl, but bo- like, blue is boy, and that's something that we've talked about, like, our entire lives, right? Yeah. And we're trying to get past it, but, like, the gender neutral is, like, not really there for AI, I suppose.
0: Right. And originally it was the opposite, you know? Like, it was girls was blue and boys was pink, so it's, like, yeah. this idea of, like, associating color with gender in itself is just yeah. problematic to begin with, but, Ugh. I mean, the fact that it wasn't even that way for forever is just kind of telling on how much society impacts not only just how we perceive color and art but also the ideas that go with it too which is kind of interesting and i guess going back to ai do you guys think that it's kind of a novelty because i know you know i don't know if you know a lot about like the y2k yeah kind of movement where you mm. saw like a lot of the IMAX like you know but you know how IMAX were with like the colors and a lot oh. of the furniture was very much based off that very futuristic yes thing. yes and you know everyone was like oh yeah like this is like the future this is the way the future etc cetera, etc cetera. and it mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. ended up dying out because it ended up being kind of a fad. do you see AI being like that kind of a novelty that people are like oh this is cool
1: mm-hmm. but like
0: when it comes back to it do you see like the traditional art styles being more valued as like a skill and you know, essentialized as being more valuable than a fake or a a artificially created piece.
2: You know, I think in terms of art, if we're speaking about AI and art specifically, I think right now it's a cool new thing of, Oh, look, we have AI that can do so like all of this stuff. Right. At the end of the day though, as much as art is being automated, people still do value traditional art. I see the most Mm -hmm. like as Mm -hmm. an artist, right. Mm -hmm. You kind of know what people value, especially other artists and even people without that. Um, Typically the art, that is, I guess, most popular right now in terms of how much people value it is very sort of hyper-realistic traditional art. Um that I kind of see being like praised the most essentially. I think as we continue to get more and more automated and things become less and less, I guess, uh human dependent, people will start valuing human technique more because it's not going to be as oh, yes. common.
1: I think I don't think AI art is going to necessarily take off at all Mm -hmm. just because like the whole reason that people enjoy art especially the people who are like big boy like art fans like they enjoy like the artist and like the meaning behind it and their emotions and their mood and like what they were trying to portray and like when you ask a computer that when you ask like I mean AI is supposed to be like you know human thinking but like at the end of the day like at this point like it's artificial yeah therefore like it's not a human
0: and if we don't even know like i i took a cognition class you know i've um you know seen a lot of this through my other classes and you know working as well if we if we don't know how our own brains work if scientists scientists who also program ai do not know how our brains work how can you make a computer that functions like a human brain that can perceive emotions the same way they can they can, you know, copy it, but it's not going to be coming from a place of originality like we see with the
2: human mind
0: that comes from a place of a sincere empathy.
2: Yeah.
1: The right. Complexity so, is not there.
2: And no. at the end of the day, like this is cool as a concept, like mm-hmm. the example I cited, but if this was yeah. the only art I saw just forever, oh my god. Be incredibly depressing. Exactly.
0: No, art would lose its it. yeah. Yeah. And I guess going off of that, we could touch a little bit on business and art. Because I feel like that's a pretty hot topic, especially in how we use uh, the programs that we use in business related mm. to art. Specifically, oh. Oh my God. <laughs> and I already know, Does Canva versus Adobe Cloud. We're just going to take these two specifically because there's just been such a hot debate you know, I've oh, seen yes. it on social media. I'm sure all of you, both of you have seen it on social media. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to lay this one on the table.
1: Go first. <laughs> I can go first. So this is my forte, the business side of art. Um because I am graphic design, so graphic design is like, you know, advertising basically. Um so you're thinking about your audience and trying to persuade them. Canva. Canva is a special software. Um you know, I honestly I think Canva's a great software for people who maybe aren't like graphic designers, I think, I think graphic designers can use it. And it's really, it's just, it's just something for, it's something that's like fast, you know, they have templates, they have like all of these amazing elements and like features that like you can add into your, your designs without having to start them from scratch. Um, So it's great for small businesses or for just like people who don't really like care about the creative side of it. For me, I am a graphic designer and I learned on Adobe platforms. And so when I'm on Canva, which I do have to use sometimes, um, when I'm on it, I I feel very in a box. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like there's just a lot of things that you can't do on Canva that you can do on other softwares.
0: Yeah, I agree. So I myself have, um, I originally started learning, like you said, on Adobe Cloud. And like you said, a lot of the joy that I found in creating came from like discovering the different functions and like kind of stumbling upon these random things and like finding my own style. And I totally agree. I use Canva, I use Canva as well. Um, you know, sometimes for work, for other things, and I find it really great because it does produce very clean designs. It gets the job done. It's very efficient. But I remember when one of the reasons why I picked up Adobe Creative Cloud was I wanted to create like very unique, like my own content. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with the content that you can make on Canva. But like you said, it's if you want, if you really want that extra, like that signature of like your creation, your artwork. I would mm-hmm. urge people to go to Adobe Creative Cloud. That being said, Canva is pretty affordable in relation to the subscription. Oh, yes. Does have, not <laughs> everyone has access. A lot of times companies and schools do provide it. But that being said, Canva is, you know, helpful for, like you said, small businesses mm-hmm. uh, and organizations that might not have the money to afford uh, design software. But that being said, on, you know, price, price, price point, uh, non-concerning... Um, I think my biggest problem is when people who are on solely on Canva try and compete with, like, industry graphic designers have been using Creative Cloud and saying, like, that... I, I don't really know how to say it because I myself have not been in this specific part of the industry as much, but mm-hmm. maybe you could put it into words better mm-hmm. in terms of just, like, the the, <laughs> the Canva graphic designer kind of...
1: Oh, like, when when people are like, ah, like, I'm a graphic designer, but they only use Canva? Like, that kind of vibe? Yeah. I think, I don't know. I I think you can call yourself a graphic designer if you are using Canva, but it's just not, like, like, okay, like, if you didn't have Canva, like, would you be able to design? (laughs) Like, I don't
0: know. It's such a difficult, it's such a difficult thing because there's a lot of people, um, who do have an eye for design? Who can use Canva in a very efficient way and mm-hmm. a unique way? But there's there's almost and this kind of goes back to our our discussion on AI too, where there's a lot of value. I think people see a lot of value in the creation from something raw and something just that's yeah that's just being built up from the bottom up. Where Canva you get? Even, even if, objectively speaking, you get the same product, and this is how I was kind of going into learning design. I was like, oh, I can use Canva, but I also want to create raw material. And, I was, and mm-hmm. I was thinking, you know, why is that? Why is that something that I want to build from the ground up? Is it because, you know, and it gets into this bigger topic of the industry, is it because I think the industry will value me more? Is it because I want to improve my own skills? Just questions to think about, but... <laughs>
2: I just think, like, Canva is another component of automation because essentially Mm -hmm. Canva does automate graphic design itself. I mean, to be fair, those things on Canva had to have come from somewhere. But at the end of the day, the majority of people using Canva are just going to be essentially regurgitating what's already there. Mm. Um, That being said, I think it's interesting to consider that... Um, when sort of when things become automated, we do start to sort of value um, and again, this goes back to what we were talking yeah. about. We do start to value origina- originality more. So I think it's just a natural human component of perhaps wanting to feel skilled, wanting to feel like you're contributing somehow instead of yeah. just is relying on existing things
0: right we're already seeing that now i mean the fact we're even having this conversation is evident enough that we're already starting to try to differentiate between what's quote what we perceive we meaning like just society in general mm-hmm. what we perceive as something that's original and we place a higher value on quote-unquote value on versus something that you know might not in someone else's eyes be of value so that's it's it's super subjective and that once again goes to that kind of essentialist idea of thought where things are just being valued differently and grouped differently by different people. Because hmm. you could, you could place, you could place like an app like Pixar, for instance, in the same area oh, as Tampa. Yeah. So like, you know, how you, like a lot of apps that are, have pre-made content can be put in that same like school of,
1: mm-hmm. you know, same thing, same thing with like building websites. Mm, like Wix, Wix, too. Squarespace, mm-hmm. like all these websites. Or
0: even Adobe Portfolio. Like oh, yes. Even that same place,
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, like, it's stuff that's it's made to be easy, and that's amazing for mm-hmm. people who need it, but yeah. also, like, yeah, it's like, like there's extra skills that you won't learn if you're using, you know, like, Wix and stuff like that, right. because you're not doing, like, the hard code, you're not doing, exactly. like, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and I, I totally understand it, because, like I, like I said, I come from kind of both sides of the place where, um, you know, I started on Adobe Cloud, and I appreciate that. like I lack website skills and I appreciate the easiness of a website but I also recognize that I cannot call myself a website designer because Mm. I do not know I don't know that code I don't know html that well I yeah so it's like something like yes I can be like yeah you know I have a website but it's not I didn't build it myself like there's just a there's a component of skill that like I kind of recognize it's different from the def not the default. Basically what's given to you.
1: Yeah. Again, there's like there's very much like it's it's like structured in a way that like you can't you can't like get outside the box mm-hmm. it's yeah. like it's the same as what I was saying in Canva like right. like I want to start things from scratch I want to like do specific things that I know I could do in other softwares but I can't do in Canva so here like for example like I just I just built my own website and I did use an extension of WordPress to make it a little easier for me but also I was able to like add in some code right. um, that like you know I copied and paste copied and pasted but like uh, it's like you know same thing okay. like I changed my cursor like there are like certain customizable features that you can make on your website that you can't do with, like, with like um, you know, like a Wix or something it's like that. It's very limiting.
0: It's um, very limiting. I just, yeah. Adobe Portfolio it, is the same way. Like, I on my website, I just, you know, there's things. Sometimes I want to shoot something really simple. It can be just something like, oh, I just want to move or change the shape oh my of God, yeah. And you can't. You, you can't just can't do, do it. it. And it makes me, it, makes me, it motivates me because it really wants me to, it, it makes me, want to learn how to code and i know like i realize, wow i really don't have the time to code and like thank you easy website <laughs> yes but like that for me that makes me appreciative of people who can do it right. mm-hmm. so that just you know definitely um but
2: yeah i and guess moving you know i mean honestly i just i guess we can segue to can I segue to digital art? Because oh, yeah. I did kind of want to touch on this because I am primarily a traditional artist. I don't really okay. do digital, mm-hmm. but obviously a lot of people have been moving to digital mm-hmm. as art is sort of becoming more digitized in terms of like how people share their art. Obviously the main uh, platform these days is Instagram. This is where artists are getting mm-hmm. big. Oh yes. Most like popular artists nowadays use it as their main platform for sharing photos and sort of engaging with people. Um, and obviously that, to an extent, relies more on digital art unless you have, like, a great camera setup.
1: Right. Mm. Traditional
2: art is a little bit difficult to execute, and I've obviously experienced this pretty firsthand. But it's interesting because when you have software like um, like Photoshop, Procreate, whatever, um, they have a lot of, again, automated features built mm-hmm. in. For example, yeah. if you draw a circle, it autocorrects oh, yeah. to being a perfect circle, or lines yes. become straight, yes. or you can yes. blend things you know, there's an undo button. I don't have an undo button. Right.
0: You <laughs> know? That's yeah. right.
2: And it, like, it really brings up the question, like, is that, is digital art, like, to, I guess, how do I phrase this? Is how, like, to what extent is digital Wait. art automated? Does it, relo- um, Does it like, um, create less oh, skill yeah. or is it just different oh, skill? Absolutely. Because it's so yeah.
0: And we're going to, I think we're going to also touch on this a little bit in one of our uh, later podcasts, the idea of whether or not, you know you know, how we see digital art comparing to traditional art. But that's an interesting point that you bring up because even, you know, we even see digital art that subsection between automation and, you know, even just the very like overall umbrella traditional and between traditional and digital art. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of it too, and like this kinda has to go with the business stuff too, a lot of this exposure and this value doesn't necessarily come from the art itself. Like obviously a large portion of it is the talent, but it's the marketing behind it. So a lot of these, a lot of people, and this is easier to get away with with digital art, in my opinion, coming from somebody who runs, like, a a uh, small, like, a small graphic design business. It's easier to, for me, to get a, not for me to get away with, but it's easier for me to market something, because I have more time to spend on the marketing side of, mar- of, you know, showing my art. Like, to me, I don't spend, and I can't, because I'm not very, you know, artistically skilled with the brush. But for me, because I, you know, I know how the functions of certain programs work, I'm able to efficiently create artwork. And by able by being able to efficiently create this artwork, I have more time and energy to spend on marketing said work. So that mm-hmm. in it itself, I feel like is an interesting concept because it's, it brings into question, yes, there and of course there's different kinds of digital art, because I don't necessarily focus on, like, the drawing kind of digital art. I focus right. on, like, 3D rendering, like... Different animations, like things that are more technically involved, like it, that less focus on the, the um, I guess not the visual aspect, but you know what I mean, like the very stationary yeah. like world captivating thing, where instead it's more of the movement and everything involved with that. So that brings into the question too, like how much of how much of uh digital art is resulting of marketing and business and you know how we do it on social media because that's something that i've thought about a lot because a lot of times i'm like well technically like i'm growing up i was never a artist like i was somebody who was like more business oriented so how so what is the what is the what is the divide between being good at marketing and being able to have like an
2: eye
0: for design—that's mm, so graphic
1: design. <laughs> I graphic mean, design. that the, is what graphic yeah. design at the is
2: today. Like any successful artist is not successful just based on skill exactly. alone. It's oh, like yeah. it's how you're
1: portraying, else. how you're exactly. persuading it's, your audience. It's
2: a lot of it is honestly just luck. Algorithm, these days, yes, algorithms, these days algorithms, um, <laughs> and honestly marketing. Like a lot of oh. artists, only even in the past, only became popular because of connections. Because well, of, you also know,
1: you make what you, what people want to see.
2: And right, you, you, make you can get a good idea, see.
1: especially on social media and on, like, the online world. Like, you can get a very good exactly. idea on what people want You can see. be
2: objectively less talented. You can draw, oh, like, mm-hmm. squiggly lines, just yeah. a singular line, and people will buy that. You can do something mm-hmm. incredibly complex, but it, if it's not aesthetically pleasing to people or if they don't mm-hmm. like it, you know, it doesn't matter how skilled you are. And
1: you at know? that point, it, it sometimes gets to the point, like, I mean, personally, like, graphic design is, like, I love art. And I chose graphic design because I'm just better at graphic design than I am, like, traditional art. But, like, a lot of people will choose graphic design for the financial... Yes. For for the, for the financial it stability that... It, like basically with graphic design, you can you can make things and you basically have a very much like you have like a very good eye of like who you're who you're trying to persuade. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of like cater your work to that. And like right. it's a lot easier to do that when you're a graphic designer than when you're a traditional artist, you know, doing like fine art, exactly. making paintings like you're spending so much time on these paintings and you don't even know if people are going to like them. Mm-hmm. People are going to have the means to buy them. It's just like yes, Literally. yeah. The financial part of it is, is a big part.
0: I agree one hundred percent, and I think the the whole concept and you know field of graphic design, like you said, it's very, it's very divided. And I've seen like people use, and obviously there's so many different types of graphic designers too. You know, there's mm-hmm. you know there's marketing and advertising graphic design. There's you know, I can't branding, like, media, branding. logo. There's so many types. Yeah, there's so many different types and. You know, like you said, there are people who are incredibly talented with digital art and, like, very passionate about it, and, like, they want to tell their story. Like, for me, I use my art as, like, a medium to tell, like, a, to basically tell an intersectional story between health and art and try to bring, like, mm-hmm. two different things together because that's how I feel like I can communicate it best. But a lot, like you said, a lot of people are in it purely for financial gain. Yeah. And sometimes you can tell through the work. <coughs> you can tell oh, as yeah. well. And that kind of goes back to our whole, you know, Canva... Adobe Creative Cloud because like sometimes you'll see like people who really want to put you know a lot of that originality and put in that story will gravitate towards that Adobe either Adobe or whatever other software that you know requires that initial input like that initial human input rather than the automation so I guess yeah you could see that that quote unquote automation on a psychological level too which is kind of interesting
1: I think I want to, I also want to go back to what we were saying earlier at the beginning of our little conversation about digital, like digital art. Mm -hmm. Um, when you were talking about like how, like how automated is it in general? I think it's really interesting on what you were saying because like, I do see that like on like illustrator, like that's my favorite Mm -hmm. um, platform when I'm using illustrator, like it does, like, you can create perfect things, but you can also create imperfect things. And, like, the ability to, like, choose, I feel like, is is more, it airs more on the side of, like, human thought mm-hmm. versus computer thought. I feel like I, because, like, the, like, the, like, the act of choosing what you want and, like, you know, being able to, like, obviously use the technology to your advantage and, like, making things perfect or making things, you know, fill up without you having to color everything in, you know, I think that's like an, I don't know. I feel like it's an advantage for sure. And it's a different skill set, skill set for sure. But it is automated in some ways. Like, I don't know how to like draw the the line.
0: Right. Because the human's like natural gravitational sort of imperfection. Yeah. That's how it is. There's always like people, like we are like literally everyone's like humans aren't perfect. Like we aren't perfect. And that's true because it's the computer that will make it perfect. Right.
2: Right. And honestly, in terms of the whole, uh it definitely is an advantage. Like there's no, like you said, um, graphic design is the financially feasible option. If you're a traditional artist and you want to choose art as a career, you either sell your art on a small scale or you try to go, you know, into fine art. And that's mm. very, very difficult it's to awesome. do. Whereas graphic oh design gosh. is incredibly yeah. in demand for most businesses. Yeah, most businesses yeah. want, need a gra- graphic designer. Um, and the thing though, with uh, obviously it being automated is that you also end up struggling a lot more as a traditional artist because mm-hmm. you can't automate things. For example, yeah, yeah. I work a lot with like cross hatching art and that involves just making oh, a bunch of tiny little yeah. lines yeah. repeatedly. Yeah. It takes me hours to do it. Whereas if I did that digitally, it would be one line copy and paste, just mm-hmm. extend across a line, and you're done. it's obviously none that's not to devalue traditional I mean sorry digital art considering it it, again it's a separate skill set people digital artists often have like an art background going into it so they know their fundamentals they know what they're doing it's just frustrating sometimes as a traditional artist, just kind of see how your options are so limited in terms of what you can feasibly do.
1: You're
0: competing with I mean basically like you've seen this in the past decade. There's a whole new market for art basically that traditional artists have to now compete with and not only compete with, but become a part of out of necessity in order to make money and make a livelihood. Yeah. So you're seeing, you know, a rapidly evolving form of artwork. You're seeing these new programs pop up and like Obviously, you know traditional artists have been on the same, pretty much the same medium. I'd say for the past thousands or so years, you know, changed <laughs> a while, change, a, a few a hundred while. years, yeah, you know, a, a little bit, you know, yeah, you know, using generally the same mediums. You know, granted, give or take some of the poisonous paints that of. I was in.
2: just about to say, like, we're not we're using lead anymore. We we're not yay! putting radium in congrats. paint anymore. Yes. It's
0: we're making advancements in every field, ladies and of gentlemen. Course, of course. So you know. But yeah, it's just very interesting to see. Like, it's it's interesting also to see how we've how all artists, like regardless, have basically been forced into like interdisciplinarians, basically. Yeah. Because like, think about it. Everyone has to be good at business to succeed. Everyone yeah. has to be good at like some level of like psychology in order to get their art to sell. Because they have to know what they mm-hmm. want and how the algorithm works. They have to become, you know, good at marketing in order to figure out how to. Do it. So it's like it's interesting because obviously you know not everyone's good at every single field. Uh So you're really seeing, like, these, you know, you could see, like, there's specific, and you see it even now with, like, modern art, you know, Keith Haring, you know, how well Uh, he markets his stuff. Yes, love him. Yes. And how well he markets his stuff and how well he gets, you know, the merch. I have merch, you know. (laughs) I I have a (laughs) sweat bag, I'm not going to lie. It's very cute. But you see, like, how good they are at marketing. Yeah, which is it's true. just interesting
2: too because Keith Haring's whole thing was originally public art kind exactly. of, oh, yeah. and, and it's well, privatized. Keith Haring, yeah, it's, it's now privatized. And I did want to like, if you've seen those, um, honestly, like, have you seen those Banksy exhibits yes. popping up? At oh. least oh. those have infuriated go yep. me. Yep. I <sighs>
1: because yeah, because like they're they're basically like commercializing their art. Yeah, it's exactly. not. I mean, Keith Haring can't help it keith Herring is not alive right um so it's definitely like you know his like whatever his foundation his company who's doing it but like yeah it's really weird i mean i understand why it's definitely for financial and for fame reasons um why artists will turn on like their original like way of doing things
2: or even if the artists themselves probably wouldn't have agreed to it like if you look at the banksy ones he doesn't condone any of them they are original works technically or original or prints they're authentic mm-hmm. but they're certainly not the way he you know communicates his art which is typically through just street art yeah and honestly it's a big like ethical gray area because technically they were correctly sourced it's just would the artist have wanted this no he doesn't and yeah. it's
1: i think the bottom line is here like if you've learned anything from this podcast is basically art is in everything, like yeah. literally the intersection yeah, of art, business, technology, like it's it's always together. Like there's no oh, like there's so very little separation there at this moment because because of like how we've progressed as society, you know, technology is our entire lives, business is our entire lives at this point. Money, you know, it's it all the, comes uh, down to the, the money. It does, and you know when you see
0: even prior to the industrial revolution, you see like these fine skills just being valued as their own skill set. If you are an artist, mm-hmm. you are an artist. If you were a banker, you were a banker, you were a businessman or a businesswoman, you were you were just that. You didn't have to be good at all these different things. Yeah. And I'd say it's a bad thing, because it's great. You know, I really love I personally I love interdisciplinary. I think it's really cool oh, yeah. that different aspects come together, but not everyone does. Not everyone wants to be good at everything or wants to have to do everything. And a lot of that is it, it can it can be the determiner whether some people can get their art out there and whether they can't.
2: Yeah, Right. And it's interesting because, you know, in the past, it used to be sort of a choice. If you want to do multiple things, you can. Sort of like I, I had cited Da Vinci as an example. You know, he was doing art while also working on injecting wax into ox brains to figure out like neural anatomy. Um, there you go. Very multifaceted, but obviously these are, this is kind of an extreme example, but like people in the past didn't necessarily have to be doing, you know, both marketing, both art. It was kind of just an individualized process of okay, these people are artists and...
1: Yeah, but yeah. also there's a lot more struggle, you know? Right. You know, the, the artists that, we, that, that are famous are, like, the, the famous, like, like, tortured artists
2: tortured. And, right. <laughs> who
1: weren't even <laughs> famous when they were alive. They were, like, super, like, famous. not doing well. Right.
2: They died. Unless you're, like, and Salvador then, Dali, but that's okay, a whole well, that's other different. Just topic for another Well, day.
1: like, nowadays, like, artists are able to, like, commercialize their products and, like, yeah. advertise things. Um,
2: but, like, back then, you know, like, that wasn't really a thing. Right. Like you, yeah. it's word of mouth, it really <laughs> is. And now, essentially, an artist has to do all of that themselves or hire people that can do it for yeah. them. Yeah, right.
1: what artist has the money to hire people? You know, like who? Yeah, like, exactly. like in in like in reality, like these fine artists are gonna have to like, get those skills or else they're not going to survive.
0: Yeah, you're also seeing that, like, there's just been, you know, I'm specifically interested in modern art, but you've been seeing over the past 100 years, like, dozens of new art styles, just trends, like, coming up and just getting, like, recycled so quickly. Like, you see this now on social media with, like, the micro trends, and, like, the micro fads and stuff yeah. like that. I am almost wondering if that's going to happen to fine art. Do you think that's a possibility? Because I've been, you know, I <laughs> I usually look at um art post um like post impressionism like around yeah. there like like the um i would say 1890s to like early 2000s is where i look and i've you know i look and i'm like there's a lot of different trends we see here coming up and you know phasing in and out and they're very distinct too so that almost makes me wonder if i mean aside from the digital technology that's you know kind of getting integrated over the past 2 decades with this if we're going to see you know within the fine art community some kind of Almost, you know, you know, if there's a technique that'll come up or something mm. similar. Sort of that obviously that's always how it's been, but
1: on a more. I think it's gonna end up, in... A, this is like, yeah. yeah, this is gonna be like this is how it is, has been like every movement feeds off of the last movement, right, right, it feeds right. off of other movements. I think art is like a subject that like like artists can't can't handle like recycling things like they need to add mm. something new so like right. nowadays like you'll see like renaissance paintings like or, like paintings in the style of renaissance like and then they'll add like a dog as the head like right. it's like right. they'll they'll Stated. add some weird stuff um right. yeah like artists are never gonna be like i'm going to like do like a picasso and like do it exactly in a style like it's gonna be more like Kind of like you can see Picasso's work in there, but like right. also like I added like it's
2: different weird things. Exactly. <laughs> the thing is with like the way art is branching off now, it's either becoming even more abstract than it was before or it's becoming incredibly hyper realistic to right. the point where it's like challenging photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah, that. that's yeah. kind of that's kind of the two directions or something perhaps in the middle that goes based off of meaning over it's like demonstration visual art, think like experiential art. Those yeah. are kind of the three pathways I see most fine art taking. And it's interesting considering that, um, I don't know, all of these are obviously based on, one, the evolution of technology, but also the fact that we've had so many re- like evolving art styles recently kind of coincides with how fast technology has been evolving as well. Yeah. I think once you have so many societal shifts, art kind of responds to that. Yeah. And so when it's more rapid, you kind of have more branching and more evolution, which is kind of what we see happening now. Definitely.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that the um, that the increase in communication has been a huge thing. Obviously, like we said earlier, the whole word of mouth thing was primarily how artists, you know, uh, communicate—not just communicate, but.
1: Got Basically, their got work their
0: out there. Yeah. yeah, got their got their business. So now it's easy because you can get, you know, a hundred thousand people to immediately see your work all at once. If yeah. the algorithm allows for it. That's right. That's oh, right. Oh yeah. yeah. The algorithm,
2: story, the yeah. all encompassing algorithm, that's- which essentially mm-hmm. determines people's fates these days as an artist. Yeah, I guess. mean it
1: favors it favors the AI, if you will. Yeah. It favors like <laughs> the people who are more valued in society, which is like mm-hmm. bullshit. But <laughs> that's, that's literally <laughs> how it is. And that that there's so many struggling artists out there, like Oh yeah doing that kind of stuff right now yeah, so
0: the by bi- the bias in in algorithms and just like this kind of a back to ai i guess because you know i feel like all Ugh. all roads back to AI. All, all roads road back, road to at AI. This yeah. back to ai at yeah. this point um so yeah it's just very interesting because i mean even just discussing this with you guys um just realizing how deeply ingrained uh not just automation but just how technology is Becoming so almost, I can't even think of the word. It's just necessary
1: for life at this point. <laughs> it's, it's like
2: it's we each other, live
1: yeah. yeah, we live in technology. Therefore, everything we do is technology. Like right. it, it involves it in some right. capacity. Like you
2: can make art and not market yourself on social media, but right. are you yeah. going to make a living off of it? No, most likely not.
1: No.
2: It's no. just or not you going to unless
1: you're like super rich, super rich and you have like you know ne- ne- yeah network, but right. yeah realistically like it's just not.
0: Yep. Or you're like an artist from... Or you're from another, or you can be from another industry, like fashion or an adjacent... Already already famous, though. Already famous, that's right. Already already successful, so So you already um, have that network again. Exactly. And that's obviously not feasible for, I would say, 99.5% of people, so... Yeah.
1: All right. We've been talking for a while now. Do we have any other... (laughs) Any other final things to think about? Thoughts. Yeah. Any final unless anything has
2: someone else, Unless someone else has anything else to add?
0: I would just say for the listeners, anytime you're in any, I guess in any situation, because I feel like business, science, and art covers a very wide range of, you know, topics that touch your everyday life. Just look, keep an eye out for the other two whenever you're encountering one and just mm-hmm. see how they start to impact each other. And once you start seeing how all three disciplines start connecting... I think it really opens your eyes and changes the way that you start to see the world around you. So for everybody listening, keep an eye out for that. Make some mental notes. See,
1: you know, see where it takes you. Yeah, word. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, We'll catch you in the next episode, I guess.